Well, we just did a better job of clicking, you know, we put the ball down the field a little bit, um, you know, was able to play action a little bit, get the ball down the field, and, uh, and, and move the ball, and that's what we for this part. Whacking that thing around. Yeah, if it works, that's the key. We ran the ball really well, too. This guy next to me is averaging six yards of carry, so um, that was really awesome, really good to see. I thought the O-line did a nice job on a lot of occasions there. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do, but I think there's some stuff there that we can grow from. I'm, I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Just being a little sarcastic and having a little fun here. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. So UNLV football as a starting quarterback. Marcus Arroyo yesterday when talking to the media said that Doug Brumfield will start the game against Arizona State this weekend. Before we get into the actual decision-making here, is it weird that Doug Brumfield didn't find out until Marcus Arroyo said it at his press conference? I wasn't there, but I so wanted, because Arroyo talks first, and then an offensive and defensive representative comes in from both sides of the ball, and it was Brumfield offensively. I don't know why, but I wanted, as they walked out, Arroyo to give him the big high five. You're it, buddy. And then the kid be like, what? What's going on? Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how it happened. But it did appear Doug Brumfield, when he went in to meet the media, either one didn't know or two had just been told. Yes. So I don't know which one it was, but it appeared that he wasn't really sure what the question was when they said, are you excited about starting? It's a, it's a little weird that that would be, <laughs> hey, Doug Brumfield, hey, you're talking to the media today, and <laughs> oh yeah, you're starting at quarterback. They might ask Saturday. you about this. So... When do you think he told Justin Rogers he was starting last week, the day of the game? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I, I he, he he appears to want to keep it secret, which is fine. It's his prerogative. He's the head coach. He can tell his quarterbacks, I guess, when he thinks they're ready. Um, I don't know if Doug Brumfield, like, passed out with surprise after the game the other night that he's starting <laughs> the second game. He probably thought, I'm the guy this week. So, probably thought you know. It, it took this long? Uh, yeah. Um. He's the guy in Arizona State's a 33-point favorite, and you know he's going to have to go and play really well to keep him in the game. Here's a question for you. Do you believe Marcus Arroyo is bad at identifying quarterback play, good quarterback play? No, I don't. I, I haven't seen. I No, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's that, or I don't know if they just haven't had. Like last year they played five or six, and I just don't know if they've had anyone good enough. I don't, I don't know if they've had anyone where he identifies. I think he knows quarterbacks. I think he can identify good players, obviously. But I don't know if they've had anyone good enough to where it's just such a slam dunk that you're like, oh, well, he's obviously the guy. Now, is that on their recruiting? Maybe that's on their recruiting in terms of you haven't had a guy step up and really be in two years now, six games and one game this year. was like, well, there's no question he's the guy, right? I mean, you should have that by now. So identifying who should play week to week I'm not so sure that's, you know, that he doesn't know how to do that. I just, I don't know about the recruiting. He, he recruited both these kids. They, yeah. I mean, okay, so, Justin Rogers is a transfer. Yeah, okay. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he, he was the coach that Justin Rogers came to. So is it more the, like, is it more the original diet, you know, evaluation when, before they recruit him and come in or have we just not waited long enough to see if these guys are any good? So here's, I think the issue that UNLV's run into, and I think it's that Marcus Arroyo has mishandled the quarterback position since last season because if we if we go back to last year Max Gillum was the primary quarterback yes 
And Justin Rogers and Doug Brumfield both threw less than 25 passes, right? Kenyon Oblad, I think, threw four. Kyle Williams uh, ran a trick play where he threw one. And every other pass last year was thrown by Max Gillum. And if you go back to last year, Marcus Arroyo talked about not having a spring practice. He even said at one point during the season that this was their spring practice, referring Mm -hmm. to the six games they played last year. Like a lot of programs. This is our spring practice, right? Despite that, he still played Max Gillum for over 80% of the snaps at quarterback and did not play the two quarterbacks that were going to be on the roster this year. Like we knew Brumfield and Rogers had a chance to be the starting quarterback this year, but Marcus Arroyo played Max Gillum in almost every single situation last year. But if it, but here's the thing, if you were looking at it last year as a spring practice, why would you play Max Gillum? Why would you not play the other two? What if you thought Max Gillum was going to take advantage of the extra year? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know at the that's point. Fair. I don't know at the point if Max Gillum had told him or not. Yeah. I don't know if at that point Max Gillum knew he was going to take advantage or not. So they had the COVID year. I'm just thinking about what you're saying in terms of, well, I think Max Gillum was the best quarterback they had last year. And that, and that's I don't why, think there's any question right. about that. Arroyo played Max Gillum because he was the, he best, was the quarterback best quarterback last year, which if you're playing to win the game is fine, is fine. But all Arroyo told us last year was this is our spring practice. So he wasn't, when you say that, you're not coaching to win the game. You're coaching to get better. If you're referring to the real games as spring practice, then you don't care about winning those games. So Arroyo last year was trying to do two different things. He was trying to make excuses and say, hey, this is our spring practice, while at the same time playing the best quarterback on the team, even though that guy didn't have much future upside, whereas Rodgers and Brumfield had a lot more potential upside because they're still around. And then... The other thing that I think he's done where he's mishandled this is he got a spring practice this year and they got fall camp. How many snaps do you think the two quarterbacks took in spring practice and well, fall camp? I don't even want to ponder guess because the and I'm not saying they're they're original in this thought. I think a lot of teams with analytics and metrics now are the same way. They know every snap, they count every snap thousands. Right. If you if you believe all this metrics that he says they keep, he says that he knows every snap all the quarterbacks have taken, and there's reason to believe he does. Right. So we have thousands, maybe thousands. between spring and fall. We might have hundred thousand snaps. Who knows? Yeah, we might because what Brumfield missed like two days, and, and they he said he missed like, like seven hundred snaps. Right. So it's like okay, how many snaps? A lot of snaps they take out. So there. <laughs> Arroyo had thousands, maybe a hundred thousand snaps of Rodgers and Brumfield between spring and fall to evaluate and decide who was better. And then we saw less than 20 passes in a game and he's flipped his decision-making because he thought Justin Rogers was better. He started him in the first game of the season again, after seeing thousands of snaps. And then we got yeah. to see 20 pat less than 20 passes between the two of them. And he's already flipped his decision. Yeah, that is he Listen, Brumfield should be the starter. That is extremely clear. That's clear. The process that it took for them to get to Brumfield being the starter in week two is awful. Well, and I'll also say this on on Brumfield because we did hear he did say in the coaches show that he was hurt for a few days and he missed 700 snaps, which is fine in the realm of your starting Rodgers and if that's the reason that the kid got hurt and missed some time, okay. But if you know you can play him, like he wasn't hurt enough to where he'd have to sit, then you should have started, right? I don't think you should have started the other guy unless the unless Brumfield was really, really hurt. Like, well, look, it doesn't matter how Rogers plays; we can't play this kid. But if you go in knowing both are healthy enough to play, then you made the wrong call on who to right. start. 
Or and, and here's the even bigger one to me. They didn't put Brumfield in until the third quarter of that right. game. Halfway through it. Like Marcus Arroyo was so committed to Justin Rogers that he watched him lead an offense to six points and a half and sent him back out there to start the third quarter. Like he was committed to Justin Rogers. He gave him like seven opportunities. He gave, no, he gave him a chance, yeah. To do something. Yeah. Like to me, if it was a close quarterback competition, like we were told it was, and the first two drives against an FCS team result in zero points, Doug Brumfield's coming in the yeah. game. I'm not sticking with Justin Rogers for two and a half quarters. I know. I I, also, I do go to the side of sometimes, and uh, not just Marcus Arroyo. I mean, I'm talking football in general. Is that is a, is there a fear? Because he's got to think of as a coach and a kid too. I get what you're saying, but is there a fear also? After two series, which I think it was still zero zero, it was zero zero forever. Maybe it was three zero Eastern Washington. I don't know what it was. That I take him out after two series. This kid's absolutely done for the year. Now maybe that shouldn't matter. It's all about winning. I get that. I'm trying to go through the head of a coach of if you pull him too early, are you risking just ruining the kid's confidence? And well, we might not even count on this kid because there's no way he's ever going to believe that we believe in him. I don't know if that played into it. I'm with you. I think they stayed with him too long. I don't know if I would have pulled them after two series. I have to remember the series. They weren't good. The other thing about those two series were maybe you should have pulled some of the offensive linemen because I think <laughs> on those two series, that kid was running around a lot, right? I mean, he was – the offensive line was not good, and I don't want to – this shouldn't be, like, lost in all this. They were not good No. to yeah. where now you're facing a team this week where you better improve because yeah. uh, I, I know nothing about Arizona State's defensive line. It's going to be bigger, stronger, and more athletic than Eastern Washington. I, I just know that going in. So you better block better no matter who your quarterback is this week. So here's the problem for UNLV's quarterback position right now. Marcus Arroyo said yesterday that he doesn't he doesn't plan to play two quarterbacks, that Brumfield's the starter and Brumfield's the guy. He said Rodgers will be there if needed, but he doesn't plan to okay. play two quarterbacks. I think that's better, actually. I mean, it should, that, it that's, should be. Conceivably, that's how you want your football team to be set yes. up. Hey, we have a starter, and he's good, and he's going to yeah, be the guy. Exactly. The problem that they're going to run into, though, is they're probably going to get blown out by Arizona State. They are probably going to have three straight three and outs at some point. Are you sticking with Doug Brumfield? Are you mixing it up just to see if Justin, like. I think he sticks with him. Now, he throws three straight picks or something like that. Then you've got to make a move at that point. But I think, like you said earlier in the show, let's say, look, the line's 34. I mean, so you essentially know what's going to happen. What does Doug Brumfield have to do, I guess, to make it going forward? Like, we're just sticking with him. He's the guy. I mean, could they lose 40 to 14 and he'd be fine? Yeah. I think they could because defensively, I just, it's going to be a struggle stopping Arizona State. So as long as he's not throwing picks everywhere and doing stuff like that, I think you move forward with him. Brumfield can still look good and lose lose by 30 points. No doubt about that. I mean, he looked good and they lost to Eastern Washington. So he can still absolutely look good and lose the game by four touchdowns. I think the bigger concern is Justin Rogers did not look good at all against Eastern Washington. He did not look like a confident quarterback against Eastern Washington. I think there's a better chance that Arizona state makes Doug Brumfield look like that, where he looks bad, where it's not just, Oh, Brumfield looks fine. It's just better competition. They've got a chance. I think there's a good chance. We're watching the game thinking, Oh, Doug Brumfield does not look good. And when that's the case, are you going to Justin Rogers or are you like, it's just, again, I think the process to get here is bad because you had thousands upon thousands of snaps between spring and fall to evaluate these two. Couldn't make a decision 
until like game day. And then you immediately reverse that decision based on, you know, 12 passes against an FCS team. That to me is a terrible process to get here. If we, if we think or believe that Tate Martell has taken snaps and has done things in practice. Okay. Well, that has to be it, right? Because I, I think in the back of all of our all of our minds is when is he going to play? Yeah. Like when is he? That's really look until they start winning games out there. Then th- these become the interesting topics to kind of follow. And Tate Martell right now I think is the forefront of many people's minds. Like look, well how's his hand? Because obviously something's keeping him back. Because you know I, I he's going to compete with these two when and if healthy. And two, how soon do you see him? Already if he's saying Brumfield's the guy this week and Rogers is the backup. Then that's another week he's not going to play. Right. So what's going on with him? Right. So I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I mean, the, the well, the none hand, of us know. Obviously. Yeah, he's had the hand in. Yeah, the he wrist had the hand, or hand whatever it was. So he's obviously been injured, and that's been part of the reason here. But like, if Doug Brumfield continues to play well, Tate Martell's not going to play quarterback for UNLV. If Brumfield, no, still Brumfield looks is good, competent. I think Brumfield's right. the guy because Even, going forward, like you said, what's he a sophomore? Yeah. Like, yeah, you want him to be good. And he gets the year of eligibility back. Right. So you could have him be for, there a while. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, but, but again, I think the more likely scenarios, especially the next two games, Arizona State and Iowa State, Brumfield's going to look back. Like, there's going to be a lot of moments right. where you're like, oh, yikes, that guy's not very good. And so then the Tate Martell questions become legitimate. I mean, the guy is, if, if nobody else is working and Tate Martell exists, you, you're putting no, you him pl- in the yeah, game you, at you some see, point. Yeah, you play him. I guess he's just got to be healthy, and we don't know the answer to that because Marcus Arroyo during fall camp was like, he hasn't told me how his hand is. What? I don't know what's going on here. All right. We got tickets to give away to go see the comedians of the compound headlining at the Comedy Works. The best comedy in town isn't on the strip. It's downtown at the Comedy Works at the Plaza. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want to go see the comedians of the compound at the Plaza. 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number four. Bischoff's Briefs. Throwing out random numbers authoritatively is the best way to pass as a baseball expert. Bischoff's Briefs. By the way, it's commendable how many baseball players care so deeply about the equal rights amendment. Bischoff's Briefs. Somebody get me some antibiotics because that ball is gonorrhea. Bischoff's Briefs. Without having actually lost a game yet, this is about as poorly as a World Cup qualifying window could go (laughs) for the United States. They drew with Canada 1-1 on Sunday. Uh, They play Honduras on Wednesday. It's the last game of this window. But so far, two games into this window, two I mean, pretty brutal results, like two draws. You can survive with some draws, but you need to win eventually. If they win on Wednesday, they'll have gotten five points from the first three games. They need to get eh, 20, probably a little bit more than 20 to sort of feel safe about being in the top three and qualifying for the World Cup. So if they beat Honduras, then they'll need 15 points from their last 11 games. That's five wins in 11 games to get to 20 Throw in a draw or two, and they should be in the top three. That seems fairly easy to see them doing that. If they draw or lose on Wednesday, they'll have either two or three points from three games, and then they'll need 17 or 18 from their last 11. Now you're looking at six wins from 11 games left. Still doable, but your margin for error is getting much, much smaller, especially when you consider you still have to play Mexico twice, you still have to play Costa Rica twice, you have to play Jamaica twice. So a lot of tougher games are on the schedule. 
But outside of the actual results, we got a lot of problems with this team. First off, with winning the game against Honduras, Weston McKinney, who's probably the second best player on the team behind Christian Pulisic, was suspended for the game against Canada and then sent home because he violated Team USA's COVID protocols. We do not know what he did, but he is uh, going back to Italy where he plays for Juventus, and there was a report in some Italian media this morning that said Juventus might bench him for this weekend's game because of what he did here. (laughs) Again, we don't know what he did here, but apparently it was bad enough. Hey, at least he wasn't arrested in the middle of the game. (laughs) Apparently it was bad enough. that Juventus might bench him and punish him as well. That's our second best player. Gio Reyna's probably like our third best player. He's hurt, didn't play last game, won't play uh, again in against Honduras. Sergio Dest is a guy who starts for Barcelona. He got hurt during the last game. He's also not going to play. So four of our top 11, or excuse me, three of our top 11 are out and probably three of our top five or six in reality are out. So injuries and Weston McKinney maybe being an idiot. Again, we don't know what he did, <laughs> but he did something uh, have left us with a significantly less talented roster. Should still be able to beat Honduras, but I will tell you this. It's very hard to win on the road in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. So far, we're eight games in in World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. Only two road teams have won. The last round of World Cup qualifying, there were 30 games only five times did the road team win a game in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. It's very hard to win on the road. So even though it's Honduras and we should beat Honduras, winning on the road is very difficult. I'd like to think the U.S. is good enough to overcome all that, but until they actually do it, it's kind of a wait and see. But there's another problem. We can't score. Seven of our last eight games, the United States has scored one or zero goals. The only game in the last eight where they've scored multiple times was against Martinique, who, by the way, is not any good. Most of those games came in the Gold Cup where they were playing a less than ideal roster. It was sort of a B or C team that won the Gold Cup. But we've now seen 180 minutes of the United States trying to qualify for the World Cup, and they've scored one goal. Once. like, And here's the other part. The last two games and the, and the Gold Cup – it's not really that they've played poorly. Like they haven't, it's not like they've been bad in these games. They just haven't really been good. Like they just haven't really, you haven't watched the games and thought, oh, they're better than Canada or even against, I mean, they were better than El Salvador, but it wasn't even like, oh, they're dominating El Salvador, right? They've been fine. But for a team that, again, FIFA world rankings has them 10th right now, don't always trust the FIFA world rankings, but they should be significantly better than everyone not named Mexico in CONCACAF, and they have not looked. Where's Canada? Uh, What are they? They're probably in like the 40s would be my guess. I'd have to look to double check, but there's a lot of teams in Europe. Wow. There's a lot of countries in Europe. Canada's 40s. Yeah, I'll I'll double check and see what they are. Women are better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Canadian, Canada's (laughs) women are are way better. But yeah, but it's like, we should look a lot better against these teams than we have. And again, they're not exactly playing poorly. Like they still against Canada had the higher expected goals. They still against El Salvador had the higher expected goals, like by over a goal too. So it's not like they're playing terribly. It's just, they they should be better than this. They should absolutely look better than they have. And they just, they just haven't looked that good. So it's a little bit of a concern. Canada's 59th 
in the FIFA World Rankings. The CONCACAF in the FIFA World Rankings, Mexico 9, U.S. 10, Costa Rica 44, Jamaica 50, Canada 59, Honduras, who they play on Wednesday, 63. So this shouldn't be that much of a struggle is that they're making it, but it's hard to, it's hard to win on the road in Con- like I there. That is a legitimate thing. Winning on the road in CONCACAF. like even Tyler Adams who plays for the U S he even said after the draw with El Salvador, he's like, I would rather play France. It's like, I'd rather play England significantly better teams, but they're going to play here's okay. Here's the thing. We do not have VAR in right. world cup right. qualifying. And the reason we don't have VAR mm-hmm. is because the stadiums in a lot of these countries, like El Salvador, don't have the ability. Are not do not have the ability right. to have quality, reliable replay. replay. And they basically said, "Well, if we can't have VAR in every game, we're not going to have it in any game." Sort of on the belief of that side, though, it should be even. For right, everybody. exactly. But it that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. the conditions you're going to play right. in are so bad that the the Concacaf has to be like, well. We can't even no. show replays. No, to they're our so referees. bad they want to play England. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, so it sucks to go on this road. So, like, there is some level of, yeah, we understand it sucks to go on the road. But at the end of the day, you get 14 World Cup qualifying games. You got to go on the road seven times. And there are three in or two? They're, they're two in. Yeah, they played two, and their third one's on Wednesday. They're, you get to play, you have to play on the road seven times. You get to play at home seven times. You got to win. At least five games, probably six, and seven will make us feel really comfortable. So you got to find at least, let's say, six wins here on this. You've already blown one home game against Canada. Right. Right. You have to play Mexico at home. That's hard to chalk up as a win. Right. But the other five home games, you should feel pretty good about winning them. Win one road game for us. Well, you say where? Hopefully tomorrow against Honduras. <laughs> That's I'll what say, I'm hoping for. I'll say for. tomorrow against Honduras. Hopefully tomorrow. But Wait when, a minute. Hold on. Did our Sharp pick him? Because if he picked them, they're winning. <laughs> he did not. Okay. He did not. Because that guy picked USA. They're winning tomorrow. But if, if we can get one road win, we got a decent shot. Two road wins? It's over. We're rolling. As long, as we, don't, as, long as we don't blow it all at home. <laughs> like, I say that, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, we drew against Jamaica and Panama and El Salvador at home, and then we're screwed. It Does it make me not very patriotic that I'm – Part of me is rooting against them just yeah, to see the Tyler meltdown. You're the worst. Yeah, you want him to get there. I mean, I do, but you at the same time, there. there's like part of me that has this like sick, twisted. Just, like, there's not many. It's things, better when Tyler's upset. There's not many things I care about in terms of the embarrassment of not being good as a, an American. That would be one of it's, them to continue to miss. That would that would be just. We should brutal. never miss the World Cup. No, no, we, you should never, never miss the World Cup. There's doesn't it doesn't mean you get there and you win, but it doesn't mean you should always make it. Yes, we should yeah. never miss yeah. it. Right, ne- three right. teams out of this region yeah, qualify. No, a fourth it. actually gets to play in a play-in game. If we have more go. people per capita than right. all the others combined, we're playing <laughs> countries <laughs> that can't put VAR yeah, exactly. in their stadiums. <laughs> they might not have Wi-Fi either. Right, <laughs> we should be automatically in the World Cup. Why do these countries even get a yes. chance? We should be the Olympic champion who gets to buy into the right. next. Olympics. When does that happen? I mean, FIFA kind of lets that happen, so let's do that. Coming up next, Kelsey Plum joins the show. Kelsey Plum with the steal. Plum wheeling down the lane, off the glass, and good! KP on the attack! Beautiful move by Kelsey Plum. Stole the ball in the forecourt. Went coast to coast. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. 
Joining us now from the Las Vegas Aces is Kelsey Plum. Kelsey, how are you this morning? Kelsey. What's up? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. good. So, okay, before we get into the end of this WNBA season, I hear you guys have a fun race coming down for the top two seeds here. I do want to go back a little bit to the Olympics. You were a gold medalist in three-on-three Olympics. Uh, how was it being an Olympian? Oh, wow. I mean, you kind of dream about that moment your entire life. Not not that I thought I'd be playing basically street ball in the Olympics. <laughs> but, you know, when you get to that point, I don't think you care. Um, it was just an amazing experience and just feel super blessed to be a part of it. What I always uh, we ask everyone who wins this. I asked uh, Connor Fields when he won his uh, Olympic gold two two uh, Olympics go, and obviously he's recovering from injury now. But can you put in perspective uh, the moment, uh, whether it's the national anthem and, and, and your the flag is raising? Do you, is it what you thought, or does the emotions become even more than you thought? Um, it it was more than what I thought it would be. Um, you know, it's so interesting because because of COVID and and. Um, everything with, with the whole, you know, dynamic, Mm -hmm. we had to like meddle ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, to be honest, I didn't care. You know, I just, I loved the, uh, experience with my teammates. We were rookies, all of us first time Olympians. So we didn't know, like, you know, China, they were, they were the bronze and they looked like they had it together in terms of what they were doing. All uniform Russia had it together. (laughs) Us Americans, we were just like, we were like, what's going on? But, (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, it worked out and, uh, I accidentally left the ceremony like 20 seconds early, um, but it was all good. It was all good. <laughs> so, okay. There there's you and three of your teammates with, uh, combining the five on five and the three on three, Jackie young, Asia Wilson and Chelsea gray all won a gold medal this summer. Have you guys like shown up to practice and be like, Hey, Bill, you don't have one of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Some people you can tell a little, little salty, but, uh, <laughs> but no, no I, I just think, uh, um, you know, we, we celebrated them and their experience and then us and, you know, everyone was really happy for us back at home. Uh, just the franchise, they were proud. I know Mark Davis was super proud. Um, so it's just, it's just been really cool the support and the recognition that we've gotten. Uh, it must have been it must have been a difficult look. I mean, winning it, thinking back as to what happened in that type of basketball with the Achilles injury. And anyone hears Achilles, they're like, "Oh, that's not the one you want." Can you talk about that journey you had and and winning the gold after having gone through what you did with an injury that no basketball player ever wants to hear or actually have to go through? Yeah, it was brutal. You know, when I first tore my Achilles, um, the Olympics hadn't been pushed back yet, and so. For me, I was kind of like, well, there it goes, you know. And so for it to be able to get pushed back and then uh, for me to have, you know, a timetable to really – because I, I knew, I was like, listen, if the timetable is going to be really tight because, um, you know, the team needs to know that I'm, like, ready to play. They're not just going to take me – this is in charity. We're trying to win a gold right. medal. So um, they were, like, you know, kind of with me the whole process and checking in and um, – it, it was just really um, an amazing experience for me as a person because I think that you have cer- certain limits um, as a human and just to be able to kind of push those and see what you can get a- get away with. And, uh, you know, I'm just really proud of myself. You know, I'd be really mentally tough that whole process and push myself to things that I didn't know if I could really do. But, uh, you know, I did it and uh, I came back fast. And then, you know, I only had a couple months to 
get in basketball uh, type, you know, shape and, and uh, rhythm and it worked out. So it was great. Kelsey Plum with us. I, you referred to it as street ball. So I'm curious, what do you like better? What do you like worse about three on three compared to five on five? Oh, I retired from three on three. I want to make that clear to everyone. I'm very much retired. Um, it, it's, it's absurd. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen any clips. It's like rugby. Um, and it's like, you know, I was joking. It's like, like snorting bath salts and trying to go out and play as fast as you possibly can. Not that I've done that because I haven't, but I'm just saying it, that's what I thought in vision. It would feel like if I did that, um, but man, it, I mean, it is, it's an experience and I know people loved watching it, which is really cool. Cause it was kind of the first introduction people had to three on three basketball, you know, it's the 12 second shot clock and super physical, um, only a 10 minute game. So pretty much like a sprint. Yeah, I I loved watching it because it was like just basketball as quick as you could possibly go. But I specifically loved like, oh, after a made shot, you can just immediately <laughs> kick it out to your teammate and shoot it. Like if you make a shot, you have to immediately play defense. Yeah, yeah. The transition is crazy. And it's part of the strategy in the game, right? Like trying to take off time off the clock, playing defense right after the shot goes up. Um, I know when I got back to uh, five on five, I had two fouls in like 30 seconds in the game. And I was like, geez, Kelsey, get it together. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I think it's helped me a lot this year um, with being able to, you know, the type of physical shape you have to be in to play it is absurd. Well, I mean, a gold medal in bath salts. I mean, uh, don't you got to retire now from it because why wouldn't you? Um, how how do you think? Uh, and look, you're a big game against Minnesota, but you came in with huge expectations of this team uh, this year. How Connecticut seems not to lose, but I mean, how do you think you guys have responded and talked to us about going down the stretch now? I mean, there's so many good teams in the in the WNBA, and uh, people don't realize the rosters. Um, how stacked people are and, you know, veteran experience, like you said, Connecticut, I mean, that group has been together for half a decade. So it's, uh, it's one of these things that, you know, for us, um, we're going to continue to get better throughout the season. And we've, we've, you know, dropped some games we maybe shouldn't have, but that's because, you know, we're learning and we're, we're, we got moving pieces in and out. Um, but, um, I mean, I'm confident that when we need to be our best, we will be in the end. You are averaging the your highest points per game of your career. Uh, what's been different this year? Is is Bill just giving you more freedom now? <laughs> it ain't because of him. Uh, no, I think I think for me, um, I I really took it to heart. You know, last season not being able to play, watching watching my teammates uh, fall short in the finals, it's just hard. You know, sitting on the couch and. I'm incapacitated, you know, I can't, I can't, I need help going to the bathroom. I'm just watching them. And I, I know for me, um, it really inspired me and motivated me to come back and, um, show people one, you can come back from an Achilles and two, you can come back better. And, uh, you know, I think this is just the, the start for me. I'm scratching the surface of what I can be in this league. And I'm excited to show people that. Jared, please keep the clip that she said this has nothing to do with him. Uh, we need to play that on a daily basis. I'm just for the bath salt Yes, one. the bath salt and that one. Um, what if the sentence is to win a WNBA championship, the aces must. What? What is it? How do you fill in that? Ooh, to win the WNBA championship, the aces must play, put together uh, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, I think that it sounds, it sounds like, oh, yeah, of course, put together tournaments. But really, uh, you know, it's like the mental concentration, um, being able to lock in on certain scouts and schemes and, um, you know, as a team really locking in, uh, knowing what we need to do, knowing who we need to get the ball to, when we need to get it to them. Um, those kind of intangible things are going to be the difference for us. I mean, basketball is a game where there are lots of runs throughout it, but do you feel like, especially these last few games, you guys have had good and bad runs where you guys have gone, oh, it's a 20 to four run all of a sudden, and you guys are either up by 15 or you've erased a 15 point deficit. Do you feel like that's happened more recently with this team than in the past? Um, that's interesting. I think that, you know, we've, you know, Liz is in COVID protocols, right? So there's 20 and 10 and then Dierka isn't uh, coming back, right? So that's 15 and 10. So when you take that out, you become a new identity. So someone has to fill those holes in different ways. So us trying to figure that out might look like lapses here or there, but it's just really, you know, when you're playing in season, you don't have a lot of practice time. So a lot of time we get it with reps is in game. Uh, so people don't really realize that. And, uh, you know, everyone's really talented on this roster and everyone can step up um, when their number's called. And I think that they have. And so, um, like I said, we're going to continue to get better. We're going to continue to learn from each other because we don't know, you know, a man could go down and next man's got to step up. So we'll be ready. We'll be ready. Any Lambeer stories? Cause we can't have an aces player on without asking about that guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I came back from uh, Tokyo, he, uh, he told me my gold medal was made out of chocolate. <laughs> oh, the bitterness from him not having one. Bitter. Oh, yeah. just bitter. Uh, she is Kelsey Plum of the Las Vegas Aces. They play next on Wednesday against Minnesota. A big game as the number two and three teams in the WNBA with just a few games left in the season. Kelsey, we appreciate your time this Thanks, morning. Thanks, Kelsey. Take care. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Oh. Why are you such having such a great season? Well, it's not him. That is awesome. <laughs> it's it's that was awesome. <laughs> That, oh. And that may not be someone's favorite part of the interview. She no, the bath salts like, yeah. kind of took them back. Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> oh. Okay, here's the funny part about Kelsey Plum saying she's retired and being like, I'm done with three-on-three. Three. She was awesome at three-on-three. Oh, three. yeah, like we talked, when We talked to um, Chelsea Gray before they went over to Tokyo, and Chelsea Gray was like, three-on-three three fits Kelsey Plum perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, the way the game is played fits the way Kelsey Plum plays better than five on five. But even Kelsey Plum is like, no, I don't want to do, do that again. Do you understand how tired I am? <laughs> I was I was with you during it was, and we talked about it during the Olympics. It was, I loved how frantic it was. Yeah. Like at any point, like you're taking the ball to the hoop and you're going. I mean, it was just great to watch. It's 10 minutes of yeah, it's great basketball to watch. on basketball. On the, the Olympics should adopt that as their future slogan. Yeah, except, except that people associate bath salts with yeah. that guy in Florida who tried to eat his own face. <laughs> was it was it the one thing because there's just so little control over it because it's so frantic? Lambeer would coach for a minute and then walk off. There's like no control. You look have zero control. Like, I'm getting out of here. I can't coach this. Lambeer called to try call timeouts. Yeah, exactly. There like, are no coaches. There are, I no, mean, yeah, there, they, there's a coach, but, but they, they, no, you coach yourself, right? But they're yes. not allowed to be like on the right. sideline side or exactly. timeouts or whatever. Like you have a coach that practice whatever, but yeah, it's like tennis where your coach has to be in the Kelsey stands. Plum and three on three very much. No, nah, <laughs> she's trying to like, you, yeah, you need to sit down. Yeah, I'll, you I'll do whatever deal with you this. want. Like, shh, Bill, go away, go away. I got this handled. All right, what do we got left to give away, Jared? Oh, we got more. Tickets. UNLV tickets. If you want to go see UNLV play Iowa State, the next home game 
for UNLV next week. And not this coming up, but the next weekend they take on Iowa State. We got a four-pack of tickets. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Four tickets to go see UNLV Iowa State. We will take caller number 11. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Eric, Robert, Christopher, and Lonnie. They were our winners today as we had tickets to go see UNLV Iowa State. We also had tickets to go see uh, the Comedian's Compound at out at the Plaza. Uh, Jared, do we have more to give away throughout the week? Yeah, we'll be giving away. There's a lot of stuff to give away this week based on what I'm reading in here. All right. Uh, very well executed <laughs> sentence. Um, so stay tuned for that. They It'll call, be great. They don't call it the Jared Justice Show for nothing. Hey, we had a lot of people listening because we gave those away 10 minutes ago and the flowing lines are still lit up. <laughs> That's because I put them on make busy. Well, I know how our phone works now. <laughs> okay, We're on. off and running on the press box. To end the show. <laughs> Have you guys seen the story that the FTC is going to investigate McDonald's ice cream machines? That they never work? Yes. Yes. They're investigating. Well, when there's websites out to tell you which ones work, you know that they should be investigated. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See, I I just want, like, I want the FDA to, like, is that actual ice cream or is that, like... (laughs) They pour some powder into no, the back Jared, of a machine. We do not want to know the answer to that. No, no, because it tastes good. So we yes. don't want to know the answer to do anything not, like do that. Do not tell no. us the answer to that. That is not they're what going go to without. investigate. They're they're looking into apparently like their suppliers and the equipment made to do all this and why the ice cream oh. machines are so frequently broken. It's frustrating that. Any time. What, what, I mean, what do you think the over-under is? Anything after 3 o'clock? I mean, if you go there at night, forget about it. You have no chance at night to get ice cream. Zero. Well, here, okay, here's – and we've talked to Cassie Soto about this. Right. When she worked for Cold Stone, she would always tell them the blender was broken because if somebody asked for a smoothie, she'd say, oh, the blender is broken because she didn't want to make a smoothie. Well, either that or she stole the blender like she did the ice cream, so I don't know which one it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't but, think we should really, like... We should no, no, not, let's not blame Cold Stone in this instance. No, no, but what I'm saying is I wonder if there's any sort of investigation here and they find out, <laughs> oh, they all work just fine. The employees just don't want to clean the ice cream right. machine. which is probably one of the hardest things to clean there right. if you're using it all day. That's what I wonder yes. if they find out. It's like, oh, the ice cream machine works at every single <laughs> one. Just, they we, just don't want to make it or clean up afterwards. <laughs> So when I was, I want to say, like 14, I worked at a Wendy's, and the Frosty Machine, Frosties. yes, was a pain in the oh, butt yeah. to to clean. But also, if you're the Wendy's that doesn't have Frosties. Not good. Yeah, no. Yeah, like, no. literally, people will sit there and go, I'll wait for it yes, to get clean. exactly. I'll wait. I want one of the chocolate ones. <laughs> and, like, you're just like, oh. okay. <laughs> I don't believe anything Cassie said. I'm not blaming Coldstone. The woman talked about taking ice cream to the back of her car when the boyfriend came up and he drove away in the getaway car. I'm sure she threw a few blenders in as well. Can you imagine if we went over to Cassie's house right now and they had like 10 blenders? Like, why do they have all these blenders? And it, like the Cold Stone, like little insignia was on on the bottom. I'm like, she's what got are a these stapler things? that says Raiders.com. Yes, exactly. Do not re- remove from office. All the things she stole. 
<laughs> we'll have to ask her on Friday. I'm glad they're finally getting to the bottom of it, though, because that is... We don't go there much at all, like almost never, but the few times we do go, you want like a um, McFlurry? Yeah. Never. Like, n- they, it's never available. It's, <laughs> and they're like, we have Shamrock Shakes in March. Well, it'd be nice, but you don't really have them, because if I order one, you're like, oh, the ice cream machine's down. You know what they did to the McFlurries? They only sell them in one size now. I did not know that. They do not. Like, they used to have, like, I don't know. Small, medium, large? Yeah, they used to have, like, three different sizes. I did not know that. So you could get, like, a small McFlurry. Now it's just one size. It's like a giant McFlurry is the only size you can get. All I need to tell you is this, because when I went off the grid, we went to Boulder City. Boulder City, the best Dairy Queen in the history of Dairy Queens for one reason only. It's the first one I've gone to where they actually had the real chocolate ice cream, and they didn't have to make it for me by doing vanilla and mixing in chocolate sauce. Oh wow! Great. Oh yeah, wow. a lot of a lot of Dairy Queens have gone to. Like, well, we don't have chocolate. I'm like, can you make it? Yeah, we'll make it. We'll make it. This one, do you have chocolate ice cream? Puh, of course. Like Boulder City. Give Did a big you thumbs up. Eat at Pit Stop in Boulder City. No. Oh, it's a burger place there. It's delicious. No. Ate at the Mexican food restaurant. Ate at the pizza place. And, I do uh, love Boulder City. That all you can say is the Mexican and the pizza yes, place. Exactly. And there's only one Help of me, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Of course. <laughs> Go to Pit Stop next time you're off all the right. grid. That's Ed. the it's burger great. place. We'll be out there. <laughs>